The phone never lights up with President Trump to yell at you, does it? Or did it? Well, I've had a few phone calls from yeah, him, but yeah. not recently. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's probably good. McCarthy entered with great fanfare and I don't know if controversy is the right word, but obviously historic, the voting, you know, 15 pro- votes. right. They were painful, each one. Yeah, I'm sure they were. When something like what happened on the floor, what we see as the public, the confrontation with Gates at the time. and <laughs> That involved me, by the way. A lot of people don't know it. Did it? He was demanding the military personnel subcommittee for his vote. Okay, interesting. And that's, I know that from good sources. I know from the speaker side and the armed services side. I was an early advocate for Kevin McCarthy because he's the only guy that could get the biggest group. Yeah. And so he, day one, he, on the first vote, he had 85% when we voted behind closed doors. Nobody else is going to get that. And the other guy got 15%. And so at that point, you coalesced around the winner. That was my view. And the folks that were being submitted, had no chance of getting nowhere close to where Kevin was at. So you coalesce and you become a team. So I early on became a vocal spokesman, and I was probably more on the aggressive side going after the 20. I felt like we needed to put a spotlight. Uh, when one member says he's a nihilist, uh, that's part of these 20, I, I think we call it out. We don't, want, we don't need nihilism. We want a team that can win. And how would you grade his speakership? Is he underrated? We haven't really heard so much about the motion to eject him. How is he as a speaker? He has outdone the expectations. I think people had minimal expectations because of 15 votes with a four-seat majority. The fact is, that was a reflection of him. That was a reflection of the 20-some-odd folks who were making unreasonable demands. They were basically saying, we want initially Andy Biggs, who couldn't get 25 votes, but they were demanding that. And so most of these folks don't know how to be a team player. Was Kevin my ideal Republican? Probably not. I love him. I mean, he's a good friend of mine. I think he's done the best. But also, he's got to represent the whole conference. And there's compromise involved, right? And so I'm not asking for perfection from him because my perfection, probably another 200 people or 150 people wouldn't agree with. We, we We have to optimize. And most of these folks do not know how to do that. They want perfection. They're purists. But their purity is not my purity. So I think Kevin, is, or the speaker, has done a great job considering a four-seat majority. And I think we have some more rough roads ahead because we have these appropriations bills where 20 to 25 folks want to drag us way to the right. The Senate will never agree to it. The president will never agree with it. But yet we can get concessions and have a more conservative policy. We've done that. But that's not good enough for those 20. They're not being realistic. When you have a Democrat Senate with only two vote majority, so like our four seat majority in the House, and you got a Democrat president, you can't get 100% of what you want. And that's just being realistic. Have you dealt with President Biden face to face in person I've not, at all? They've never really reached out on policy stuff. They keep saying they are, but they never have on policy. Now, every once in a while, I get invited like they had a White House picnic where everybody's invited to. There's a couple of bill signings that I would have been invited to, but I was back home. I'm in a bipartisan caucus. We got invited to go to the White House bowling alley. Really? But he, in his team, keeps saying we're reaching out to Republicans that want to govern, but he has not. Zero. And none of us. I've talked to all my friends. None of them have ever heard from his staff either. So I think President Biden, if he was really serious about trying to be a moderate or a more pragmatic president, 
he would have done more working with Republicans. He he only had Kevin McCarthy over for one year, one time in two years. But that's why he's in low 30% right now. What's your assessment of where Ukraine is at right now in that situation? Ukraine has the tactical advantage right now. We're seeing some minor uh, successes on the battlefield for Ukraine. I wish it was bigger. Yeah. They are making incremental progress. Evidently, they're encountering very heavy minefields, so they got to be slow and methodical. Uh, but big picture, I believe it's in our national security interest that Ukraine remain independent, that Russia does not conquer Kiev. If Ukraine fell to Russia, who's next? I believe it very well could be the Baltics, of which President Putin has already said that the Baltics are renegade states. In other words, they really belong to us. That's what he's saying. Right. He's saying, and I, th- I, th- I think getting it's the gang back together. Yeah, from- he's trying to regain all the old territory, and we can- so I think we-, we can't let him succeed in Ukraine. And for the Ukrainians, just a humanitarian, having a heart, having empathy, these people wanted to point their way towards the West, become part of the EU. They wanted to embrace free market system and the freedoms that we know, and they've only known totalitarianism. So it's been a hard growth, but they were going that way. And Russia's saying, no, we don't want a democracy on our border that Ukraine's, because that, that would show the Russians that they could have that too. And so I think we have to stand up, I just I think for Ukraine's sake, because they're being bullied and invaded. But more broadly, if we didn't step up, what does it say to the Baltics and Poland? And by the way, China is watching our reaction. You know, They're watching yours quite closely, Ta- obviously. Taiwan. Yep. And so now we have a minority of folks who say, hey, this is weakening us with Taiwan because so many weapons are going to Ukraine. And frankly, there are mainly different kinds of weapons that are needed. Uh, but I don't buy it. Uh, there's, that's probably the one argument that at least isn't based on Putin's propaganda. Right. I think it's a legitimate argument. But I do think a bigger issue is China's watching us. And if we look weak in Ukraine, uh, I think that gives them the green light in Taiwan. There's been somewhat of an air in the media, and maybe that reflects polling, maybe that reflects primary, who knows exactly, on somewhat in the Republican conference losing support for the funding, and it is in the billions, tens of billions of dollars. When you're meeting in caucus and and with your colleagues, what's your sense? Are you having to sell people more on this? Behind the scenes, is it more unified? What can you tell us about what what goes on back? The Republican conference in the House— we had like four votes to pull funding for Ukraine and, and various measures, and it was defeated, all of the measures, by about three to one. And maybe sometimes it was four to one, depending yeah. on which bill we're talking. So we had a pretty strong support for Ukraine on the Republican side. Democrats side, it was seven to one. And uh, some of the progressives on there uh, disagree with it. Uh, and I think it's interesting that some of our populist side of our party that have gone very isolationist, right. which is, I find is uh, ironic, uh, but isolationism doesn't work. 1938, 1939, we had leaders in our country saying, America first, don't get involved, don't help out Great Britain. I was going to say, in your opinion, is the moment that serious? I believe it is. Uh, R- Russia invaded Ukraine, this huge country. I think he sees himself more as Peter the Great yeah. versus Stalin. Um, but I think it is. And if we don't stand up to a bully now... You'll be bullied again tomorrow and the next day, right? But I think the, well, my request, and I actually spoke to the leadership last week on this, the isolationists, and they're only one-third of our party on this, are very loud, and they're almost shouting down the other two-thirds. 
we need to stand up. A lot of our guys, we tend to want to get along, try to fly under the radar. I expect our leadership to speak up. Uh, this is not just about politics. I think a lot of folks, they have a political lens. How do we keep our 218 together out of the 222? And how do we placate this one-third to keep our 218 together out of the 222? But there are times where you got to speak with a moral compass and with moral clarity. That's why I liked Winston Churchill. That's why I like Abraham Lincoln. Sure. I like you know Ronald Reagan when he called the Soviet Union an evil empire. There are times and places to speak with a moral clarity and I think this is one of those times. And uh, politics should be number two in situations like this. I wanted to close out with Terrence Crawford. Yes. Any Terrence Crawford story that you could tell us that maybe is not publicly known? Or are you just a fan? Or I am a fan. I know and you I got are. to see him a little bit with a small crowd up front. And I'm impressed that here's the best boxer in the world, pound for pound. Pretty humble spirit. And I, I admire that. And what stuck out more to me when I got to see him in a small crowd and the big crowd, he's a man of faith. He's a Christian. You can see it. And that his faith, I think, has given him the right worldview to be humble. And I think he, instead of being, this is all about me, I've done this, I think he says, God, thank you. Thank you for blessing me. And that's, so I really was impressed with his thanking God first. And I, I thought I had a great message to youth. Hey, I didn't smoke or drink. I, was, I got high on life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and he talks about hard work. It's how you get ahead having dreams and working towards you. Just it's not going to be given to you. I thought he had a great message. I, and I loved his message. And it's the message of a great American. And, it's, and it shows me that it should show everybody that if you work hard and have big dreams and have character, you can achieve great things. Now, he most, not everybody could be the world champion right. boxer. But you know, the, but you can achieve make great things with character and hard work. And I think Bud Crawford demonstrates that. On that note, we really appreciate your time. Mm-hmm.